Hello, this is your host, Bill Raymond, and welcome to the Techgenics T-Suite podcast, where I talk to leaders in the tech industry. Hi, and welcome to the podcast. Today, I have Brian Thompson, product manager at EasyPost. Hey, Brian, how are you? I'm doing great, Bill. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Where are you calling from? Uh, just downtown in the financial district in San Francisco here at our, uh, at our offices. Okay, and as we're recording this, we're in the middle of a heat wave. I hope you're staying cool. Yeah, uh, yeah. No, I was uh, I was actually coming from a meeting across town uh, just before I got on, and it was very warm for sure. Hey, I'm really excited to talk to you today. Uh, before we get started, maybe you could just tell me a little bit about yourself and who EasyPost is. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I've been working with EasyPost uh, for about two and a half years now, uh, and actually uh, sort of took. Before I got to EasyPost, I, I was in a completely different space, and EasyPost is sort of a career pivot for myself, but uh, I sort of took my hobby in web development, um, and I was fairly interested in web development growing up in college uh, before that, and then uh, I was, but I was in the golf business, of all things, which is sort of a very unconventional uh, place to pivot towards technology, but uh, I basically took my sort of hobby in web development, and I found this opportunity uh, once I decided I wanted to get out of the golf business. Uh, and so I joined the team at EasyPost, and it's been great. I've kind of played a number of different roles since I've been here, and sort of until I'm at the point where I am now, where I've uh, you know on the product team, and you know I've, most recently before that was managing the solutions engineering team. So uh, working a lot with our with our customers, kind of trying to make sure that they're building sustainable logistics solutions with our products, and now really trying to hone in on you know how we can continue to improve and evolve our own products uh, to suit the needs of our customers. Yeah, and as our listeners will know, I have this sort of mini obsession with APIs right now or application programming interfaces. And I've really been, it's just been curious to see the market grow. And one of the things that we're seeing more and more of is companies that kind of take a problem that's really difficult to solve and kind of create a platform for that. And that's kind of what you've done. Can you explain? what EasyPost does and because I've kind of called you like I think I've called you a few times now the uh, the Twilio of of shipping and logistics but I, I think that would be better if you explain what you do. Yeah no I mean I think that's a really fair analogy I know that early on our founder Jarrett Streben I think he was probably one of the ones that actually coined the phrase kind of the stripe of shipping um, and that was a, a mm. phrase that we often use and so I yeah I would say it's, it's very analogous to that. Um, we are basically a multi-carrier shipping platform. So we allow uh, anybody that's looking to add logistics functionality, namely the ability to get rates and generate shipping labels and then subsequently track those shipments uh, across 100 plus carriers through a single point of integration. So, uh, you know, in the past, um, you know, if you're maybe an e-commerce business, let's say, and you, you know, you, most people don't ship with one carrier, I would say at this point in time, uh, but, you know, it's, as soon as you start integrating with multiple carriers, it starts to be really cumbersome to uh, kind of from a technology perspective to be investing so much time in making all these different connections. And it's just really much easier if you can just do that from a company like ourselves, who has really made this our core competency and made it as, as easy as possible. And it's kind of the idea is once we've already done it, there's really no reason for anybody else to do it again. Yeah, so let's step back here because, you know, I think we're all familiar with going into whatever app or website that we're at and adding something to the cart and getting it shipped or 
getting something shipped from the business that we're at or what have you, if, it, if we're if shipping, if we're a product company, shipping that product out. And there's something that we kind of take for granted that's just there. I kind of want to understand a little bit of the, the, the past and, and what drove the need for creating Easy Post. Our founder, Jared Streben, uh, he has actually a really fun story uh, about how the business was started. Uh, and he was actually running this uh, gift card exchange uh, website, sort of as a, a side, side hustle of all things. And he found it uh, incredibly cumbersome to integrate with uh, shipping providers and shipping technology that existed and basically thought to himself, look, this is, this can't be this hard. It's two addresses and some basic information about, you know, how big and heavy the parcel is. Um, like we, there's gotta be an easier way. And so that was sort of the genesis of the idea. And so we became the first uh, RESTful API, Jarrett and a couple of other, uh, you know, individuals that founded the company with him were the ones that sort of uh, got it off the ground and went through Y Combinator. And, um, and that's sort of evolved over time. And now we're, uh, we've grown quite a bit and servicing uh, a, a lot of customers and a lot of carriers and a lot of shipments, that's for sure. So you're kind of the people behind the buy button. Yeah, so it's interesting. I think a lot of people, yes, we are definitely that. Uh, once you click buy, there's so many different decisions that go into uh, what happens with your actual order to get it actually to your doorstep. So. Uh, right, your, your order, you place an order, um, you know, everybody's really familiar with Amazon, so I like to use that as sort of like a context. Um, you know, you, you buy something at Amazon Prime, uh, well, they have some sort of prime guarantee about how fast it's going to get to your destination. So you have to make a decision about, okay, well, what are the available options to get it from wherever it's located in, you know, in Amazon's case, they have thousands of, or probably hundreds of warehouses across the country. Um, and where can they source that to get it there fastest? What carriers uh, service those particular routes, if you will? Uh, and what is the most cost-effective, fastest, most reliable way of getting it there? And so we are essentially the, the piece that sort of powers a lot of that decision-making logic, right? Being able to get that information in a programmatic way so that uh, you can really optimize the workflow and, and make it much, much easier on the business. And I'm guessing this also is something that people that are shipping products would also use? Absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, we definitely partner with a number of different uh, third-party logistics providers who are using our solution to, uh, you know, power their, their label generation and kind of the rating functionality that we offer. Uh, yes, there's a, there's a, a whole slew of people uh, in, that, in that vein that are using our, our products. So what are some examples of that? I guess, you know, when you and I chatted, I should mention that actually we were, we met at the Postman conference, a API development conference in San Francisco. And, you know, you told me some interesting things about the business. And what I kind of appreciated was just the amount of work that goes into, if you will, I don't just mean technically, but just connecting the logic with all of these types of uh, shipping organizations. Because, you know, there's there's just, okay, I, you know, I want to buy, uh, I don't know, my detergent for my house and that kind of gets shipped. And there's, I'm sure lots of logistics behind that, but that's one example. But what are some of the other kind of big problems that customers have when they're working with multiple shippers? 
Sure. I mean, I, I think the, the problem really just stems from the multitude of different technologies um, and the, the deviations that different carriers have. Um, you know, you have, let's just, even if it's just two different carriers, uh, you know, one carrier has one terminology for things and another has another. And certainly when you're, you're talking about a programmatic interface, uh, you need to have some way of abstracting away the deviations and kind of coming to some sort of common understanding of, oh, this is what a shipment means, and this is what a package is, or a parcel, is, as we call it, um, and being able to sort of abstract away all the, the slight diff deviations in what different carrier capabilities might be, or how they, you know, name those capabilities, um, certainly, in, you know, in the scope of their technology, if not just in general. Um, I think that's a really big challenge, I think, that we we have, you know, when we're interfacing with carriers is, uh, you know, there's a lot of times too that they'll sort of sort of assume. I think this is probably guilt. Yeah, you know, everybody's sort of guilty of this at some level. But you know, people will assume that you know the language that they know. And um, when I say language, I don't mean like programming language, but just kind of the vernacular. Um, and so, really making sure that when some, you know, if, if I'm on a conversation with FedEx about some service that they're offering that we're trying to support, um, that I actually understand what that service really means and how it might be. Uh, equivalent or not to other comparable services that we are also integrated with so that we can actually provide a as seamless experience as possible to our end users um, so that if they're looking to, uh, for instance, you know, a lot of things these days, people want to be able to have a signature confirmation to ensure that you know, the package gets delivered, there's no issue with it, um, and that if there isn't somebody present that they don't actually get it delivered. Um, and so like, you know, while I don't remember the exact terminology for the two different uh, you know, parties like FedEx and UPS, but like FedEx might say uh, signature confirmation and then UPS might say delivery confirmation. And you know, those are the same thing essentially, uh, but they're called something a little bit different. And I think that really is kind of the, the core of the issue that we're solving. Like none of these decisions around you know, abstracting these things away are things that are core to uh, any business, but it is definitely a, a cost that people incur when you're trying to interact with individual shipping providers. Um, and so we're really just kind of abstracting that away so you can save on that cost. So what you're basically saying is there are companies, there are a lot of shipping companies, and it's more than just UPS and FedEx, right? I, I think you've mentioned there's... Indeed, there's way more than I ever even thought that there was. And it seems like there's more and more that are popping up all the time. Easy Post has identified a problem where there are far too many options, but you still want to give the best price to the customer, whoever that customer is, whether they're shipping or not. And then you want to make yep. sure that logistically the customer um, understands what the status is of their package. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, and then also just being able to, it's not always about price, right? Like sometimes mm -hmm. people order shipping because it has to get there faster and um, you know part of the functionality that we offer is returning sort of the the transit times that the different carriers and services offer so that you can make a programmatic decision about which carrier to use um, right so in the a rate response that you get from us you know let's say you have an account with USPS um, and there's like I don't know usually there's like four different service levels that might get returned um, and there would be some sort of you know, estimated delivery date and whether or not that delivery date is guaranteed uh, that you could, uh, you'll, you'll get back from EasyPost in the response that will allow you to obviously parse that and, and make an informed decision about, you know, making sure that you're meeting any guarantees you have with the, the shipping estimates 
uh, or expectations, I should say, that you set with your customer. I'm guessing there's a lot of companies or software companies, I should say, application companies that are taking your APIs and just incorporating them into their products, whatever they might be. Indeed. Yes. There, there's, I mean, I think that that's really the, the, the genesis of, of things for us is like being a tool for developers uh, to be able to build whatever use case there, there might be for that, that requires any sort of logistics uh, application. Um, and I think, you know, there are probably, I don't know, there's probably about a half a dozen or so like really fairly common use cases, right? Obviously like the e-commerce, you know, websites that are sort of direct to consumer and shipping, you know, all their inventory out to customers, uh, you know, with their orders. Um, there's, there's a lot of other people that are doing things like, um, you know, return returns is like a huge thing. This whole area of reverse logistics and being able to provide uh, label generation for your consumers, um, so that you can you know offer a way for them to get that label or that that order back if they want to return it, and then also providing the visibility into the the merchant, be able to see when something has been returned, and uh, also you know that in turn ends up powering a lot of business logic uh, for for merchants, right? Like oh, okay, if I see this return is in transit, then I know that I, you know, should be refunding my, my consumer. And that, that's the sort of stuff that is sort of how our product, which, you know, by, by most accounts would be considered very much like a infrastructure back, you know, backend tool by any measure, right, uh, is sort of powering the, the business logic behind the scenes for a lot of, uh, not just e-commerce companies, but certainly predominantly in, in the e-commerce space. Right. Okay. So if you're a software developer, you don't need to go then and write. I think you mentioned that FedEx and UPS just have different confirmation codes. So you need to write logic in order to do that and to manage that. And I'm sure that there's all sorts of other little bits and pieces along the way that are so different with one, each one of the carriers. So what you're doing is saying, developer, you just say, create, a, create an order, create a, create a shipment. And you're going to, you're going to handle all the other details behind the scenes. Exactly. And I think the other thing that uh, is, is very true of the shipping space is that there are very, very few uh, shipping providers, logistics companies that I would say have what, what most developers would consider best in class APIs or, mm. uh, you know, interfaces of any sort, right? Like, uh, you know, we're, we're still finding shipping companies that, you know, have, you know, really uh, dated SOAP APIs that we're integrating with and exposing our RESTful API to the, you know, to our consumers. Um, and then there's other companies that are interfacing with like FTP servers and file drops and things. And like, um, you know, most of these logistics companies, they're, they're de by definition, not technology companies. And uh, so I think that, just creating a product that not only kind of abstracts away a lot of the, the nuances and differences uh, is, is one thing. Well, that's one way we add value. But the other way is just providing a more uh, developer-friendly interface, right? It's easy. You know, it's, you know, the first RESTful API for shipping. Uh, and, and our documentation is all publicly available on, online. Uh, it's very easy. Any, any developer could start creating shipments within like, you know, a couple of minutes from, you know, basically as long as it takes you to, to register for an account and, uh, you know, start making some of the sample requests that we provide in the, in the documentation. So it's, it's really easy to get going. You know, you contrast that against, 
if you want to get going with the FedEx uh, APIs, um, like FedEx is there, they're actually probably the, the leaders, I would say them and UPS uh, in terms of the technology that they provide. But like the documentation for FedEx is like 984 pages or something. And I only know that because I read it quite often, but <laughs> uh, um, it's, it's a lot to go through. And uh, so I think that, you know, that's the other way that we're definitely making it a lot easier for the developer community. Is there a cost savings involved with this? Uh, absolutely. Um, I mean, I, yes, for sure. On, on, a, on a few different levels, right? Like, so you have certainly just like the technical overhead of integrating with EasyPost versus integrating, you know, even if just if it was just one carrier, right? Like, I would say that it's going to cost you in terms of time, like way less time to integrate with EasyPost uh, by probably. Uh, easily an order of magnitude and maybe multiple orders of magnitude. Um, and then, you know, on the other side of things, just having the flexibility to change providers uh, when and if you want to is, is a, a huge lever uh, that, uh, you know, by, by removing the friction of integrating, right? A lot, a lot of times what will happen is a, a given company will, will be using one provider and they'll want to switch to another, right? And the, the, the logistics people will work it out and say, okay, yeah, we, we want to switch because you're offering some new service or you're giving us some better rates or something. And that person is not the same person that really understands what's happening uh, at the technology level. Uh, and then they'll get down and be like, oh, well, now we have to take on this, uh, this tech project that we weren't planning to take on because we need to invest, you know, this much time uh, into, you know, moving over to this uh, new carrier partner that we're going to use. And that cost is completely eliminated with EasyPost, right? Like it's literally as simple as changing uh, one attribute on a shipment object and you're shipping with a different different provider. So um, th th there's, there's a ton of cost savings. And then, you know, the other thing that uh, we offer that is really kind of our, our flagship product, uh, you know, across the all the different carriers that we're uh, have a really close partnership with the, the USPS, and we offer um, commercial plus pricing, which is basically the, the best rates that you can get with the postal service uh, in the absence of having your own negotiated rates. So, you know, you might pay, I don't know, let's say $10 for a priority mail label um, if you go into the postal service, but you're going to pay a lot less uh, if you're using EasyPost. Uh, and that's just the nature of the, the partnership that we have with the USPS as a PC postage provider. Oh, okay. And, and I'm sure the scale helps too. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> so you so essentially any developer that wants to get started could, could get started as quickly as they wanted. And you just kind of have this platform that's available for anyone to use. Then. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we have, uh, there's certainly no shortage of people that just sign up and start building whatever their application is. And, and most people, uh, really usually get pretty far without needing really much, if any, help from us. Um, certainly, you know, we've get, uh, I, you know, I've done a lot of work with some of our larger customers who have much more complex uh, use cases, maybe the implications of multiple, uh, you know, services that are interacting with our service um, or interacting with, you know, a, a stream of data that's going through uh, various services and having to loop in different business stakeholders and things like that. But I mean, that's, that's really, you know, pretty common at the enterprise level. Uh, but certainly, you know, for if you're just a developer and you want to start selling something online and you want to build a, a little piece of functionality that's going to be able to help you generate labels and track your shipments, like that's 
that's really easy. That's that's literally why we call it easy post. What goes into creating the APIs? Because it sounds like there's a lot of organ, a lot of different shippers that you work with, and there's a lot of logistics behind the scenes. But how do you develop APIs that are going to be easy for anyone to use and won't change all the time? So if FedEx changes from you know signature complete to signature uh, done, yeah. you, you know you don't need to. The, obviously, the developer doesn't need to worry about that. But what goes into kind of creating the APIs? so that the developers don't have to have to worry about it. It sounds like you're trying to make things easy for them. How do you, how do you, how do you think through the creation of these APIs? Yeah, that's a really good question, Bill. Um, I would say uh, we usually try and put more thought than you might think necessary into uh, how we're going to, you know, I, I'm at this point, I'm dealing more with like, you know, new features, right, that we're adding to existing, we've had the same uh, API essentially for, uh, you know, a few years now, and, and we've definitely made, uh, I'm sure, hundreds, if not thousands of changes and updates to it, and, and we make every effort to not uh, do anything that would be uh, backwards incompatible. Um, but I, I think, you know, we've created sort of a flexible interface, right, we have sort of the core elements um, you know, on our side of, of like what a shipment contains, which is like an origin address or what we call the from address, right? And then we have a, a to address, which is the destination and a little bit of detail about the parcel. And that's pretty standard. That's going to, every shipment is going to have some component of that, uh, regardless of which provider you're using. And then, you know, the, the area where we, we have this way of handling sort of, um, you know, not only ancillary services, but maybe also this uh, concept of um, you know, carrier-specific features. Maybe there is a carrier that offers some feature that uh, is not consistent with what we see from other providers, and we have this thing called the options uh, object that we put within our, our shipment object. That's probably been used much more widely than we initially thought it would be used when it was first developed, um, but there's there's a lot of functionality that lives in there. Um, and I think we've, we've also learned as we've gone, like we've, we've certainly at times added features to the API and then later subsequently realized, oh, well, you know what? This feature actually performs like this other feature that we already built. And maybe, you know, we should consolidate this down. And then obviously there's plenty of consideration that, okay, well, if we're going to do something like that, how do we do it in a way that, you know, the, the deprecated or legacy way still works? Uh, at least until we've given people enough notice that it's it's not going to work anymore, um, and that's that's pretty rare. I would say, generally speaking, we're we're pretty good about uh, figuring out ways that we can, you know, extend the functionality of our existing infrastructure and APIs, um, and not do anything that's going to be backwards breaking for anybody. Without listing them all out, what are the, if you will, common APIs that that you'd see being used by your platform? Sure. Yeah. So, I mean, we have basically, there's really three API endpoints that have, a, you know, a combination of different actions that you can do with them. But, um, you know, we have an addresses endpoint, which is sort of the, the home of our address verification product. So in addition to rating and label generation, we offer um, address verification where you input uh, address detail. This, most of the time this lives in somebody's like shopping cart um, and, you know, you'll enter your address, you, you, send a request to EasyPost with that address detail and EasyPost will return what we think is the sort of appropriate standardized address based on the information you've input. So that, that's one endpoint. 
Is that like the extra digits on the zip code and changing ST to street or whatever it is? <laughs> yeah, it might kind of consolidate like, uh, you know, instead of, you know, spelling out street, maybe uh, it's just ST, right? Mm. Um, or drive and, and things like that. Just kind of the standardized format for that address. And uh, so that, that that's one endpoint. And then the shipments endpoint is the other endpoint that is uh, really sort of the workhorse of the application. That's where people would, uh, you know, create the, the concept of a shipment, which would return rates. And then subsequently you could buy uh, one of the said rates. Uh, and then the, the third main endpoint is the trackers endpoint. And uh, that actually, uh, we do that automatically. If you create a label with EasyPost, you'll automatically get a tracker object uh, that you can reference later. And you can also, uh, we'll send you updates. Uh, you can supply us with a webhook uh, that you would like us to send those updates to, and we'll send you a post request anytime we see any change in the status of that shipment. Um, but then you can also do that independently of a given shipment as well. So uh, if you just want to, if you make a post request with the name of the carrier and the tracking code uh, to the tracker's endpoint, then uh, we'll start, you know, retrieving updates and sending them to you as we see them. You said this is a, a RESTful API. Could you explain what that means? And, and you know, because I, I don't know if all of my listeners know necessarily the, the core concepts of what that is. And, you know, is there any specific language tied to it? Uh, yeah, I mean, essentially is, uh, I mean, we could go, uh, there's a whole bunch of information about REST, but essentially it's a, it's a JSON API uh, where, uh, and ours in particular is, uh, you know, it's primarily kind of hosted around the CRUD methodology of right having objects that are uh, reading from a database, creating, reading, updating, deleting things. Um, our objects are by and large immutable, so uh, that is also sort of one uh, thing that's kind of maybe not quite as restful as uh, others, but certainly kind of the general uh, you know model of our API is certainly. Uh, make a nice restful JSON API that is really easy to integrate with. So what that means then is that it doesn't really matter what code a developer wants to write in if they want to access your APIs, so long as they can make a standard web-based uh, restful call then. Exactly. Yeah, and we also offer, I was going to say to that, and we also offer a number of different client libraries uh, that are sort of, they're open source and sit on top of our uh, existing application. So um, certainly if you're, you know, if you're building an application in Java, we have a library that makes it, you know, much easier for you to get up and running uh, with that or Python, Ruby, Node. Um, I think we just, we just released a Go uh, library actually probably in the last couple of weeks. Hmm. Um, so we, we've got a number of different libraries and really, I mean, that's, we're trying to make it uh, you know, no matter what language you're used to programming in, as, as easy as possible to, to integrate with, you know, integrate logistics into your application. Since you were giving a talk at Postman, it would be interesting to understand how you use that particular product. Uh, Postman, we just had the CEO of Postman on the podcast, and his name is Abhinav Astana. And it was very interesting. He was talking about his customers kind of generically doing an API first development process, which is what you're doing. And so now we're kind of seeing it come to life. How do you use these API development tools in your life cycle to, to manage that, to manage your product? Yeah, totally. I mean, we, um, 
Postman's been a, a great tool for us. I mean, that was a big part of, you know, the talk that we gave at their conference. Uh, what was that? I don't know, when, a couple of weeks ago. Um, and I mean, really, we use it across a, a number of different teams, certainly product management, being able to, uh, you know, figure out, you know, so somebody might come to us and say, uh, you know, oh, we, we were looking for this service or something. And then we have to figure out, okay, well, how do we, how do we facilitate that, right? Or what are the tools that are available? And so, uh, before we would put it on an engineer's plate, hopefully we've been able to do some sort of testing and a tool like Postman uh, to be able to to vet that, okay, this is sort of the way that you can make a request and this is what you can expect to get back in the response. And then, then from there, this is the way that we should integrate it into our application. Um, and so that, that that's certainly one way. I think on the support side of things as well, a bunch of members of our team are using Postman to not only test our own application, but also to test you know, applications, you know, sort of similarly, the downstream with our carrier partners, if something happens to come up, uh, a lot of times it might be a little bit challenging for us to know, uh, you know, is it is it a problem with our application? Did we do something or is it something changed on the carrier side of things? And so uh, Postman's been a great tool for that as well. Um, you know, beyond that, I think you know, we use most of the kind of standard uh, development tools that a lot of developers are using. Um, you know, I mean, certainly at, at, in, in my day to day, if I'm doing any interaction with our application, we uh, are, uh, you know, I'm leveraging just our own like Python library and running my own scripts and, and things like that. And I think, um, you know, beyond that, we're, uh, geez, there's, I'm trying to think of a bunch of the tools that the engineers on the team are using. Um, there's, there's a whole bunch and I'm probably not doing a very good service to them. Um, there, I mean, there, there's definitely some some tools like uh, we use for with AWS a little bit. I know on the system side of things, um, gosh, there's uh, what else is there? There's a lot of tools, but I, I'd have to probably pull our our engineering team, and I'm sure I could come up with a list of, of at least a dozen tools that they're using. Oh, I'm I'm sure. Now, and I have to imagine that. You, you mentioned that, for example, you still have FTV drops and um, some sort of less than um, modern approaches to working with some of the carriers. So I'm guessing that you're automating as much of that as possible as well on the back end of the thing of the of things. Yeah, I mean we've we've done a whole bunch of testing, uh, you know, sort of building out tests. I would say that's probably the one thing that we spend. I would almost say we spend more time writing tests than we do uh, actually programming the application. Um, writing tests, reviewing tests, uh, we've done that in an automated fashion within a lot of our repositories. I think there, there's a lot of things too that you know we're starting to do in terms of um, you know you know going back to Postman, like leveraging Postman uh, as a tool to be able to to run some end-to-end -end tests in particular. I think uh, our services we've we've actually graduated away from. Uh, and still trying to graduate away from a, a more monolithic service into a microservice architecture. Mm. And I think it's one of the things that's been a bit challenging is that uh, as you're starting to pull things out of the monolith application and, uh, you know, making sure that the performance, the experience that the user has is, is consistent with what it was when you're actually pulling things out and, you know, unit testing might not catch, uh, you know, all of the different permutations of ways that people could, uh, inter interact with the application, and so being able to to run some end-to-end -end tests through Postman uh, is really good tool for us. Just providing a much faster feedback loop uh, for the team when they're trying to deploy either new features or 
um, handle some of the technical debt that we might have taken on at one point. Um, you know, the, that's certainly a, a really useful use case for us to use Postman as well. Right. So you're talking a little bit about the future here about moving to microservices. Sounds like that's in process. It is, Bill. Um, well, I mean, we've been doing it for a long time. I mean, as long as I've been here, we've had a number of services, uh, microservices. We basically have a different service for every every carrier relationship that we have, and then we have several other microservices that support um, you know different functions that might be used across those different microservices. Um, so, I mean, we—I don't know the exact number. I think it's probably, and if it's not over 100, it's close to 100, or it might be over 100 at this point. I'm not actually exactly sure. Right. Okay. So, yeah, you've you're both feet are in the water. You're not taking a dip. Yeah. I mean, we still—it's funny—we still have a lot of functionality that lives in our our monolith application that we'd like to move out to make it a little bit easier to maintain. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it's a balancing act. Obviously, we're we're man- managing a number of different uh, different services, and so uh, you know prioritizing that is often uh, a challenge. But we're we've yeah we're making progress all the time. We're we're uh, making I don't know I think we're probably doing about I don't know probably in the neighborhood of like one to three dozen uh, deploys a day. So that's mm. that's a lot of a lot of things that are getting updated on a regular basis. We talked a little bit about the APIs and what the future holds, but what what does the future hold for you on the business side in terms of delivery services? And, and you know, what, what do you think is going to be changing in this marketplace? Yeah, I think there, there's some really interesting things happening. I mean, uh, gosh, there's a whole bunch of things. I think that yeah, obviously you have the two major players uh, in the e-commerce space right now. I mean, Amazon and Walmart, and they're sort of entrenched in this war of uh, this e-commerce war to try and grab market share. And shipping is a, an enormous part of that. And that's why you've seen Amazon make such heavy investments uh, in their logistics network. Um, and they've done it in a variety of ways, um, you know, including, you know, not only having their own trucks, but also contracting out uh, local providers for last mile delivery. Um, and it's, it's all about how do how do we reduce the cost of shipping uh, as much as we possibly can uh, to be able to, uh, you know, get as many of these packages as quickly as we can to, to consumers. Um, and so that that sort of inertia, if you will, is really a, a big tailwind for us because it just means that anybody who's going to be in e-commerce has to get more sophisticated because the expectation of the consumer is continually going up. Um, and so, you know, in line with that, I think the other thing that you see is, you know, you obviously have the incumbent players in the space on the logistics side of things like, you know, USPS and FedEx and uh, UPS and, you know, there's a couple other big players. But, I mean, we, we support a whole slew of carriers, um, many of whom most people have probably never heard of unless you're really in the logistics space. But I think that the thing that I've seen more recently is that you've got these smaller, more regional uh, focused carriers that are, are trying to establish some sort of uh, stronghold in a particular region as sort of the, the provider to go to if you want to be able to offer customers next day delivery in a sort of confined geographical area. Um, and so I think the, the tailwind for us is that, you know, if you're going to be servicing, let's say you're going to sell in the United States and you're going to start leveraging a relationship with some of these carriers that are, are more regionally focused, 
uh, you're going to need a lot of them in order to cover, you know, the network of, of the population of people that you, I'm sure you'd want to service. And so uh, obviously, you know, a product like ours that allows you to integrate with a lot of carriers through a single point of integration becomes that much more valuable. And then, you know, kind of on the other side of it is just, you know, having the, the, the infrastructure to be able to make a lot of these decisions around how to uh, get the, find the most effective method for you to ship your, your product uh, is, is super valuable. So uh, there's, there's some really interesting things I think happening in, in shipping right now, you, you know, it's been sort of a fragmented space and it's, you know, Amazon is making it interesting and there's, you know, obviously the war between FedEx and, and UPS as well. So uh, the regional thing is definitely real though. I think there's, you're seeing a lot more uh, participation in the space and that's something that a lot of people might not really be familiar with. So these are the regional carriers providing less mile, or you you mean uh, just growing competitors? Sure. Well, I mean it's a bit of both, right? So I'm sure. I mean I'm sure I can't speak for any of them. Uh, obviously, I don't work for them, but I would imagine that the uh, the use case is that or the, the thought process is okay. Now, if you're going to eventually try and take on a, a company like FedEx, you really need to be able to like own some particular market where you have an advantage over them potentially. And then, you know, you expand that model to other places. And so, um, you know, and usually what ends up happening, though, is pretty interesting is like once some of these regional carriers get to a certain size, uh, it's not uncommon for them to end up getting acquired by one of the bigger ones. Uh, and that's that's actually something that that presents its own uh, interesting technical challenge uh, in the sense that, you know, if uh, I mean, the, the classic example of this is like DHL, uh, they have acquired a whole bunch of carriers. Uh, over the years, and and what's happened is every time they've acquired one, the you know they've still, generally speaking, still been leveraging the existing technical infrastructure that that carrier had. So even though they might call themselves, you know, DHL this or DHL that, uh, it's not the same web service that you're interacting with. You have to interact with a different web service uh, that has a whole different set of, you know, parameters and and schema, if you will. So, uh, yeah, there's is a constantly evolving space and you've got sort of pressure on both sides from the, the really big players operating at scale that are looking at getting into, you know, the space themselves because, because they can, because it makes financial sense for them to do that. And obviously that's, that's Amazon. Right. And then on the other side of things, kind of the catering more to the sort of mid market e-commerce companies or, you know, just companies in general that need to ship things. Um, you know, you have these sort of regional players that are trying to to grab up some of that market share as well. And so uh, it's it's hard to say kind of what the, the end game will be. It seems like it, at some point there will probably be uh, more consolidation in the space, I would think. But uh, I don't think that there's ever going to be a period of time when there's less, um, you know, where, where, where you don't see the, the sort of smaller players trying to, to come, come into the market. So this this trend is here to stay for a while. Yeah, I don't see it changing anytime soon. Yeah. This has been an interesting conversation, Brian, and I really appreciate your insights. And uh, I, I really think it's interesting how you can, as a developer, just kind of go in and create some sort of an app that provides all the shipping logistics and details, and there's three calls that they need to make. <laughs> Uh, and exactly. meanwhile, this is some other business that's taking care of all those details for you. And it's just, it, to me, there's just something that's, that's kind of magical about that in terms of helping companies, especially, I think, 
you know, I, I'm guessing you also had a lot of uh, smaller developers that have larger businesses now, and they they probably grew up on that platform. No, I mean, that, that is 100% true. I mean, it's funny, our, our customer success team, every once in a while, we'll run some reports on, you know, some of the activity on the platform, and all of a sudden, we'll be like, wait, this this customer, we didn't even know who they were, and all of a sudden, now they're shipping, you know, hundreds of thousands uh, of shipments, and it's like, well, you know, they, but it's just, a, it's really the function of e-commerce, right, and you, you never really know, uh, you know, what, what small business out there is going to turn into a big business. And certainly we've been fortunate enough to have a number of those customers that have, you know, certainly grown with easy posts and easy posts I'd like to think has helped them really scale their business. It's allowed them to focus more time and energy on their actual business rather than on integrating with logistics providers. So thank you again, Brian. I, I really appreciate your time today. Is there some way people can reach you? Sure. Sure. Uh, people can definitely look me up on LinkedIn. I think I'm, I'm still the only Brian Thompson at easy post. Uh, so that's probably the uh, the simplest way to to get a hold of me. I would love to, to hear from anybody that wants to learn more about shipping. Uh, and then certainly they can get in touch with EasyPost as well through our website at easypost.com. And uh, there's a few different ways uh, through the page that you can you know navigate to talk to the various parties, whether it's our support or sales organization to get in touch. Oh, great. And is there a link there to your APIs as well? Yeah. So if you go to easypost.com slash docs, uh, I think I'm pretty sure that's it. That should be the one. I mean, if, if even if you just go to easypost.com, uh, docs is one of the top links uh, on the, the nav bar there. So uh, very easy to get to the documentation and learn what's uh, what you can do with EasyPost. Cool. And I'll put that in the show notes. Thanks, Brian. Have a great day. Thanks so much, Bill. I would like to thank Kristen Stewart from the Postman team and Brent Shelton from Bospar for introducing me to Brian. Thank you very much for listening to this TechGenX T-Suite podcast. Please go to Apple iTunes and subscribe and rate us. It really does help. To stay up to date on the latest technology news, go to techgenix.com. That's T-E-C-H-G-E-N-I-X. You can also follow them on Twitter using the same name. You can follow me on Twitter using at Bill Raymond and the letter E.